We're just talking about how Alberta veterinarians have voted to ban declawing, ear cropping, tail docking, and other surgeries they think are medically unnecessary for your dogs and uh, cats. Dr. Randy Marshall is a Toronto veterinarian, and he has been on the show before, so I would like to say he is a friend of the program. So friendly that Chris Creston is right now having a conversation with him. Hopefully he'll be joining us in a second. Thanks, Chris. Chris gives me the thumbs up. Dr. Randy Marshall joins the show. Welcome. Hello, Kelly. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks again for being back here. Now, last time we spoke, we were talking about exactly what goes into declawing a cat. And yeah. I'm just wondering if uh, what you think of Al- uh, Albertan vets voting to ban unnecessary surgical procedures like this. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great move, but I will tell you that it's not actually the institutions that are leading the charge here. Really, it's the public. Um, it's amazing. I don't know if I should say this, but our people seem to be treating one another with less respect. Mm. But our people, uh, humans, are treating animals with a ton of respect. So if I take the time to explain to any owner what a, a cropping or a docking uh, decline is really all about how really unnecessary it generally is. They almost 99% of the time they'll just say, "Well, let's not do it." Right. So, um, yeah, the institutions are kind of putting this stamp on what the evolution of the public wants and needs are anyway. So I fully endorse that. And the tail docking or ear cropping—is there any time when it would be medically necessary to do something like that to an animal? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes there are tumors around the perianal area down near the base of the tail. There's sometimes tumors of vertebrae, uh, chronic infections that are not healed. Uh, dogs actually have a tail gland right about three or four inches down the tail that sometimes gets infected uh, and it's incurable. And the only way to actually eradicate it, the last frontier, will be surgery. And that's when it's medically necessary. What's the purpose so, of a tail gland? The tail gland is kind of, uh, it's a vest- actually, the truth is, it's like very similar to what birds have, where they cover themselves with oil from what's called a uropigial gland, and a dog is kind of vestigial. It really doesn't serve any main purpose right now. So it'd be sort of like the dewclaw, which was when they used to climb trees, yeah. or could climb but, trees. Yeah, but in, even today, the dewclaws, not on level ground, but if they're on e- uneven ground or rocky ground or go running through woods, that dewclaw will actually aid in traction and grabbing even today not very often but it's useful still so the front dewclaw removal they've also banned that so i mean i uh, my border collie still has her his dewclaws my last one kept ripping her dewclaw off so we eventually had to remove that and if it was banned i guess that wouldn't be allowed well I, i think it would because i think the definition is if it's medically necessary right so if you have, it, the one thing about the dewclaw, which is actually the analogous to the thumb, it is actually sometimes very well formed and it's got very strong support mechanisms. It's held very close to the actual paw itself. And other times it, it flaps like a flag and catches on everything mm-hmm. and it tears it, causes obviously uh, painful injuries and also some severe hemorrhage sometimes. So. I know that you'll be allowed medically to make that decision for the best interest of the pet. It has nothing to do with cosmetics, and I know that under the uh, legislation now, that will still be allowed. Okay. Well, cosmetic dentistry, body piercing, and tattooing came up. What kind of... Who's doing cosmetic dentistry on a a dog or a cat, and what does that look like? 
Well, I, I got to tell you, we can do root canals, we can do crowns, we can do braces, and that sounds silly, but dogs have 42 teeth. Can you imagine a little chihuahua? You, humans, I believe, have 32. Cats have 30. Dogs have 42. You can imagine a little chihuahua with 42 teeth. They hardly ever mesh properly. There's a lot of undershot or overshot jaws in pets. So the actual meeting or occlusion of the teeth is often a very big problem. So what happens is it promotes periodontal disease, it promotes uh, some cavities, fractures. Um, and so the cosmetic dentistry in that regard is mostly geared towards providing a healthy uh, dental arcade, healthy gums, and I don't want to sound like I'm doing a commercial mm -hmm. here, but for the human race even, if there's one thing I've learned in my long career in, in veterinary medicine, then the hygiene of your oral cavity, your dental arcade, your mouth, is so critical to leading a very long happy and very healthy life. It's critical. Now, I know some people are going to roll their eyes because you're talking, I'm talking to a vet here uh, when I ask you yeah. this question, but, you know, there are a lot of uh, different uh, snacks and things you can give your animal to clean their teeth, like a dentist stick is actually, yeah. tell it's a no-brainer. That's It's supposed to clean your dog's teeth. Is that enough, or what should we be doing on a regular basis? That's a, that's a great question because, it, uh, boy, if I was really smart, I'd figure something out and I'd retire tomorrow. But <laughs> the truth is there... Dentistics is part of a major regime. We have encouraged people to brush their teeth, but you don't have too many compliant pets, even if it's your own. So when you're trying to brush your dog's teeth, dogs' teeth are totally unlike humans. They're like a paper cutter. They're sharp and they shear and they swallow. Dogs do not chew, neither do cats. So what you want to try to do is promote the plaque, which is very mushy for the first day or two. If you can take plaque off, like you and I do when we floss and we mm -hmm. brush daily, it doesn't turn into tartar. Tartar, once tartar's on there, it is like cement. You cannot get it off. So a daily or even every second or third day brushing or dentist sticks at the end of a day, sometimes even today, the old tried, tested, and proven rawhides uh, are really good because dogs will gnaw. Cats don't, of course, but dogs will gnaw along with a rawhide, and they'll keep their teeth clean. You'll see them hmm. change position in the mouth. What I always tell my clients, I said, don't take your rawhide and give it to your dog for two or three hours. You're asking for trouble. Right. You yeah. don't want it to get really saucy and yee. That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You don't want it to start getting to the point where it gets really soft, like yeah. you say, and they shear, and they shear off big pieces because dogs' mouths are trained not to chew, but to shear in pieces and swallow. And if they're really enthusiastic, they'll chew, they'll chew off too big a piece and swallow a hunking. And, you know, and that's bad then. Yeah, it is bad. Yeah, well, it could cause them to choke for sure. But um, So the, the dental prophylactics are really dentist sticks or all kinds of different treats, milk bones. Dry food is predominant now over moist food. Moist food produces plaque. Dry food's not as much. Um, the actual is a lot of studies going to the size of food and how they're swallowed, how they a dog or a cat deals with them to prevent the plaque that turns into tartar. So hmm. there's a lot of studies. It's, it's, it's so advanced now, Kelly, compared to the past. I want to ask you about body piercing and tattooing. Yeah. Have you ever seen anybody do this to their dogs? Uh, in my over 30 years, I've seen one person. I see all kinds of people come in who dye their uh, cat or dog's hair pink or purple or lime green, and that's kind of, that's kind of neat, I think. Yeah. But, the actual body piercings, I've seen two or three in all that time, and it was usually with an owner that needed a dose of Dr. Phil. So um, that would be not something I see commonly. Okay. And defocalization, is there any reason why you'd need to remove an animal's vocal cords 
to reduce the volume of its vocalizations barking. Yeah, I you know the the common thing is there's only a few breeds, believe it or not, that are really the major culprits. But you can there really is no reason today because we have so many good electronic safe and very humane training collars that prevent vocalization. It's so rare. Again, over the years, we don't actually remove vocal cords. We go in ventrally, almost below the throat, and we actually tack them down. So what that means is the vocal cords are like a, like a blind. They open and they close. They're very taut. And when you remove one, then the air can't pass through and make a lot of noise. And mm. they, they can still bark. They don't know they don't make noise. It's not frustrating for the pet, but it's something, again, with all the new technology, it's just not necessary anymore. So do you think Ontario vets are going to vote to ban a few of these unnecessary surgical procedures as well? Yeah, I I sure do. And I think uh, I'm a little perplexed that Ontario hasn't actually led the charge, but they're big time on top of this. And, you know, we want to make sure there are a lot. It, It sounds so simple to just ban all this stuff or take a firm stand on this, but there are a lot of areas to consider and and last time we spoke i told you about a cat that if it wasn't allowed to be declawed it would have been euthanized and it was such a fabulous cat in that case you could have made a case for a psychological medical necessity to do that procedure but most of the time like i said it's the owners that are coming in that don't want to do it and now the rubber stamp is that i think the number one problem veterinarians have to be concerned about is we have to deal with a client individually. It's custom. Every pet in every household is different, and we need to listen to their needs. We don't want to be handcuffed if we want to make this pet, who is a family member, as user-friendly as you possibly can have. Instead of being a high-maintenance pet, we want to help every client that comes in with any of their concerns. We don't want to have our hands tied so we can't help them. But I do believe Ontario's making sure they study this very carefully and they don't want to put anything into legislation that could be uh, that handcuff vets and make it a uh, regret that we've done this down the road. Dr. Marshall, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's always my pleasure, Kelly. You have a great day. You as well. Dr. Randy Marshall is a Toronto vet and uh, all around good guy.